Drink when we say thin skin. Under eye filler lead to like blindness. Eye cream will help keep the elasticity in your skin. It'll gonna be more preventative than regenerative. Staple eye cream. Microblading can become a thing again. Welcome to our Vanity Lab, a podcast about the beauty of science and marketing by a makeup-loving cosmetic chemist and a skincare-obsessed marketing expert. Each week, we deliver industry news like debunking myths, confirming facts, and let you in on the tea you didn't even know you wanted to know. I'm your host, Laura. And I'm Emmy, and you're listening to Vanity Lab. Hello, and welcome to our Vanity Lab. This week, we may have found a non-invasive way to achieve the Carla Delevingne S. Brows, what the purpose of eye cream is, and if the voluntary recall of the Becca Cosmetics Concealer could have been avoided. All right, so speaking of non-invasive, non-irritating-ish ways of achieving Carla Delevingne brows, Laura, do you want to talk about the article on Allure that you recently saw? I'm not sure why, but brows have just been all over my feet of late, and because of this, I came across that article about soap brows and how it's all the craze on Instagram. And if you guys aren't sure exactly what we're talking about where pop this article from Allure in the show notes. It explains it a little further and it gives you photos. But essentially, the soap brow is an eyebrow grooming method where you use a bar of soap instead of eyebrow gel to allow the hairs to fluff up the brows. And makeup artists are finding that it gives it a stronger hold and it's significantly less expensive. Swedish makeup artist Linda Hallberg, who has one of the most popular soap brow tutorials on YouTube, is actually one of the founders of the trend being so popular. So you're probably wondering, like, how does this work? Like, do I just put soap on my brows? Like, what's happening? So the way you achieve the soap brows is by dampening a clean spoon sponge with water or using a setting mist that you like to hold your makeup, it'll give the brows an extra hold. Then you roll a spoolie on your soap bar and then apply it to the brows, brushing up and back combing up again until you style them the way you want them. And personally, I think this is a super fun way to play with your brows while having committing to the brow lamination. And if you're not sure exactly what I'm talking about, head over to episode three to learn more about brow lamination. But this is a super fun, completely temporary way to play with your brows. You can wash out the end of night and I think it's super fun. What about you, Emmy? I think it's a really great option for people who, you know, aren't trying to fill in, you know, sparse spots or like darken their eyebrows just because like it is such like a temporary, non-invasive, non-ablative way to kind of like spruce up your brows. But I also feel like if you don't have bar soap, maybe you have like a hairstyling product, you could use that too. Like if you have hair gel, <laughs> you can also use that. Or like, you know, putty paste or something for um, like hair pomade, I think would, you know, also do the same trick. Yeah, what I find like super interesting interesting is that a lot of soap bars are sodium hydroxide based so they're they're really basic so they have a really high ph and that's the same effect as perming which i think is super funny i don't know if that's like a coincidence or what but they both have a really high ph so i would say kind of be careful i'm not doing it too often because the high ph sitting on your skin and not being rinsed off immediately can irritate your skin just a little bit but have fun with it and don't just do it too often i still want to get my eyebrows microbladed it's fine (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to give you different options, Emmy. Like, come on. It's fine. I'll just hang out with my Just For Men and wait for the day when microblading can become a thing again. So when we're coming up with the topic for today's podcast, I remember texting you saying, oh, eye cream. And you're like, no, it's fine. Because you thought I was offering you eye cream. And fun story, we both have a little too much right now because we have more than we can actually go through uh, reasonably. So that kind of cemented that we should probably talk about what like is the difference between an eye cream and like normal face products? And like, do you actually need them? So I just wanted to basically start with saying that my personal preference is that you don't probably need an eye cream, but it certainly helps. It doesn't hurt. One of the reasons that eye creams differ from, you know, normal face products and other formulas is that the skin of the eyes is a little bit more delicate. It has less layers, the stratum corneum, than your like 
thicker parts of your face and then more importantly like your neck too so that's another area that can benefit from like a specialized formula for a certain part of the skin but with eyes they're a little bit thinner when you're going to use products to treat your eyes you're normally trying to address either fine lines and wrinkles, so crow's feet, puffiness, and or um, dark circles in your eyes. Laura, what is, you know, something that makes eye cream really effective? It's just honestly like the nice anti-aging ingredients that are super hydrating, but in terms of what the product acts like, it's a little bit thinner because the skin around your eyes is a little bit thinner as well as the product, so you want the product to penetrate into your skin. So if the cream was too thick, it wouldn't be able to penetrate deeper into your skin as if a eye cream would or an eye serum. The eye is thinner and whenever the eye area is specifically thinner, so it's more subject to seeing your veins and those like purple and blue kind of under eye circles that you see when you either you have them genetically or you just don't, didn't sleep well or you didn't sleep at all. And so eye creams, what they do is they help target those areas because it's so different than the rest of your skin and it is the most sensitive. So we have to be very gentle and very careful. And if you're one of those people that wears tons of eye makeup, like you wear eyelashes and you wear winged eyeliner and putting on makeup equates also tugging and pulling on your eyes or even when you're going to remove it, you're tugging and pulling to remove it. And just using eye cream will help keep the elasticity in your skin. It'll keep the moisturization and it'll also just allow any other skincare product to complement it really well. Let's talk about what dark circles are caused by if that's something you're wanting to treat with your eye cream. So dark circles are caused by either genetics and our hereditary, a lack of sleep, stress, or free radical damage. You know, one of the things with that is the free radical damage is essentially oxidative stress and it's amplified because it's so near the tear ducts. So think of like when you have like a, a pipe or something that's near water and it gets really rusty, it gets that like kind of orangey color. Essentially, from what I understand, that's kind of what darker circles are under your eyes. And also because, you know, the thin is the, the thin is skinner. <laughs> The skin is thinner. <laughs> the, I don't know how many times I said thin skin in that last little rant. I know. It's like a fun little... Um, uh, Drink when we say thin skin. Right. <laughs> what is it? Um, she sold seashells by the seashore kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so the skin around your eyes is also thinner. You really want to look for ingredients that help protect your eyes from like what your skin concern is. So if you are trying to combat like fine lines and wrinkles because that eye area is so sensitive, you're probably going to want to look for something like a little bit more hyaluronic based. If you're looking at dark circles, you're going to want something with free radicals and maybe a little bit of retinol in it just to help thicken that skin a little bit. For puffiness, like it's going to essentially be a little bit inflammation. So you're going to want to look for calming ingredients when you're treating that. And then also anything cooling. So if you want to keep your eye cream in the, like the fridge to keep it cool, that is a tip too. Also, just like a random fact that I did when I was high school that I think I saw Michelle Fawn do on YouTube is that she took two spoons and put it in the fridge and then in the morning she put it on her eyes. And honestly, it's pretty effective. I'm not going to lie. If you have naturally really puffy eyes, specifically when you wake up and you just kind of want to depuff them really quickly, it also wakes you up. Up, it was better than drinking a cup of coffee, to be honest. And I would just put those on my eyes and be like, so I'm probably like not the normal um, end consumer, but I started using eye cream in high school. <laughs> so I was doing like a bunch of AP classes and, you know, I was in sports, I was in debate, I was on like the knowledgeable team. I would routinely be up until like two or three in the morning trying to get all my paperwork and like homework done and, you know, stuff for like college applications. My first eye cream was actually the Origins Ginseng because I had caffeine in it and it really helped like with my under eye bags <laughs> during that time period. That is like a staple eye cream. It really is. 
Like I've seen so many people use it and it's just like if you need an eye cream, that's like the first one you try. It's the ginseng one from Origins. It's just a staple. I'm not sure how they did that or how that happened, but it is. Right? Like so many of my friends, like that was also their first eye cream, but I think they started more and they were 25 and not, you know, 16. Um. I think I was like 18. (laughs) I was a little older than high school, but yeah, I was definitely like 18 when I started using eye cream, which I'm pretty proud of, I would say. Yeah. And like, so now I am, you know, even more into skincare. I've always been into skincare. I wish in high school I would have known better not to like over exfoliate my skin. But you know, I didn't have as much um, access to education as I do, you know, now. Thanks, YouTube. <laughs> to an extent. Thanks, YouTube. That has good and qualified information that has been fact-checked and um, comes from scientific evidence. Anyway, so currently my eye care routine, I do a serum and then I also put a cream over the top of it because I am a crazy person and a power user. But essentially the serum that I use is very based in vitamin C. So it helps like brighten and lighten that free radical like damage and helps alleviate the oxidative stress because it's like heavy in antioxidants. So that kind of helps with the dark circles, which are a little bit of hereditary for me. And then also very stressed all the time because high functioning anxiety and then lack of sleep. Um, I'm just a really light sleeper. <laughs> I would also point out that when you're applying your face moisturizer, kind of avoid the eye area or apply your eye cream first, just in general. That way your eye cream is just around your eye area because heavier creams can actually increase the fluid tension and kind of exaggerate the eye puffiness and it kind of makes it look extra puffy. So if you are specifically using eye cream, just use it around your eyes and try not to add your face moisturizer below or above it. can affect the formula of the eye cream when you do kind of like mix and match like that. To add on to that, it's a really great idea to start with your under eye products first just because, you know, if you are like doing your nighttime routine, it'll actually help protect from any like AHAs or BHAs kind of migrate eating into that area because when you apply your skincare, care, it does move up and inwards. It just kind of protects that really sensitive area around your eyes um, from any kind of like cross-contamination or migration. Yeah. Also, just like a couple of ingredients that I kind of think is really amazing to see in your eye cream would probably be like caffeine to help with puffiness, any peptides to help stimulate collagen production, and any sort of antioxidant to prevent free free radical damage, and niacinamide, which helps with like the discoloration. For a night cream, that's perfect. But for a day cream, anything that containing mica actually helps camouflage dark circles. So if you do have an eye cream with mica in it and you have like those really dark purple under eyes, try finding a day eye cream with mica in it. It's actually light reflecting and will help kind of reduce the appearance of your dark circles. I think like hyaluronic acid is really great too if um, you're not looking at your dark circles necessarily as much as like your fine lines and wrinkles around your crow's feet because basically what will happen is it helps plump your skin up around your wrinkles so it makes them less defined and deep and just kind of like softens that area and essentially the idea behind like preventing crow's feet with that is that if you're continually putting in you know hyaluronic acid to help combat like any kind of transepidural like water loss. Wrinkles are kind of like when you're folding a page. Like the first time you fold it, the crease isn't as bad. But if you keep folding it and folding it and folding it and folding it, that's when the crease gets really defined and starting to like spread and become worse. So if you keep treating with like hyaluronic acid, it's not going to be like bent as much, if that makes sense. And that's kind of like where the prevention with that comes in. Yeah, it helps with like the elasticity of the skin under your eyes. And that's why it's really amazing. I also want to make sure that we aren't applying our eye cream in a rough manner in any way, shape or form. The under eye is super delicate. So make sure you 
you're patting, you're gently smoothing. Also hit the upper eyelid as well because that's where you can also get wrinkles and people often forget to apply their eye cream on top of their eyelids as well as their under eye bags and around the corner of their eyes where crow's feet can normally occur. So make sure you're being gentle about it and you're applying it around the entire eye, not just the under eye. That's a great point. So especially like the tugging and pulling part, you want to be really gentle. So I apply a very small amount to the pad of my ring finger and just lightly tap in all around my periorbital bone and even like almost up onto my brow bone. So that just like nice kind of like circle or semicircle. With that too, with um, having that really controlled application and really gentle application, you're going to want to do that whenever you're taking off eye makeup also. I always try to do either like an oil cleanser for makeup that's really gentle and has like a nice slip but with like a just enough grip so that it still is able to like break down stuff that the tugging can also cause you know puffiness or or dark circles i just want to point out since the both of us mentioned that we started using eye cream at a fairly young age and i think it's there's no like specific age for you to be putting eye cream into your routine but people with excessively dry skin or noticeably dark skin or developing crow's feet are honestly uh, this is like the time to do it. You can on, you can do it at any age. It's a preventative measure when you don't really have much wrinkles under your eyes. But if you do see that you're one of those people with dry skin, you already have dark circles or you're starting to develop crow's feet, this is when you need like thinking about using eye cream more seriously if, if you care about the way your under eyes are starting to appear. I feel like most people probably start um, using eye cream in like their mid to late 20s. But once again, you know, it's kind of like whenever you see that you could benefit from it is still like a fine time to like kind of start exploring that. I'd rather someone just start using it and then like just never use it at all. (laughs) (laughs) Another thing that if you're trying to treat fine lines and wrinkles and your eye cream isn't doing the trick because again, your eye cream is going to be more preventative than regenerative is Botox. But once again, you know, really do your research on where you're getting your Botox. I can't remember if it's on label or off label per the FDA, but we'll link in the show notes, you know, what is currently listed as on label. But as long as you trust your injector and you do your research on that, you know, I, I get it Botox in my crow's feet area and I love it. But Botox is also preventative as well because it does numb that area of the skin wherever you applied it and it keeps you from additionally making more wrinkles or making folds in the paper as you mentioned as an example. So it's also preventative but it also has more of a oh it gives you that instant gratification that like you can't see your wrinkles as prominently. Yeah so basically when you're getting Botox in the crow's feet area it kind of like it softens the lines that are currently there. It's not going to get rid of them completely obviously. Obviously, for that, you might look into like hyaluronic acid fillers. But again, that's a really tricky subject near the eye. And if that's something you look into for, you know, treating your eye bags or your your fine lines and crow's feet, make sure you're going to someone who has a lot of experience with that because, you know, if it's applied improperly, it can do a lot of damage. Yeah. So make sure you're going to someone who is trained, who is a doctor, who has an office. Don't go to like, have you seen those like people who go to like black market fillers and stuff? Oh, that's so scary. Right, so when you're treating your like kind of crow's feet um, lines and wrinkles, eye cream, yes, is like a really great preventative measure. If you are wanting to do more regenerative work, an option that you might want to look into and do in conjunction with your eye cream and eye serums would maybe be Botox or fillers if you're into that. However, um, what you're going to want to do is make sure you do your research for whoever will be um, injecting. If you do decide to go down that route, because, you know, there's a lot of variation in where you can get Botox and fillers. You know, we've talked about this on other episodes before as well, especially when it comes to the eye area, because 
when that product is applied in- improperly, it can do a lot of damage just because there are so many tiny blood vessels in the area and it's such like a delicate area. And, you know, I've seen, you know, under eye filler lead to like blindness. So you really want to be careful and do your research and go to someone who is accredited and has specific experience in treating that like specific concern and treatment. So for instance, my normal um, lady who does my Botox and fillers does not treat my Botox or my TMJ. I go to a different nurse because my normal lady doesn't do the TMJ as often as a treatment. And so she told me that she would feel more comfortable with me going to this other person who, you know, does it all the time. So, you know, like that really helps cement my stuff. So make sure you're going to someplace that's like accredited, has a lot of experience doing that specific treatment. So one thing to keep in mind is that like, if you choose and opt to go into like like a facial plastic surgeon, a reconstructive surgeon, an ear, nose, and throat, a dermatologist to get these types of procedures done, you're benefiting from their years of schooling and um, knowledge of facial anatomy as well as the muscular structure and how that's going to be like having physiological results and not just like the surface of the skin. You know, you really get what you pay for there. I'm not saying like estheticians like who have done it for a really long time are great and knowledgeable as well, especially aesthetic art, like RNs um, is another really great option. But again, do your research and make sure that who you're going to has a lot of experience um, doing that type of procedure, especially when it comes to anything around your eyes. Yeah, I agree to that 100%. Like make sure you're going to someone that is credible, someone who has like a proper a proper certification and all that kind of stuff. Because I don't know but, about you, but I was watching My Strange Addiction the other day and this lady was kept getting butt fillers and it turns out like it was just like tar oh, in her booty. no. So- let me grasp you. Yeah, it so. <laughs> and she was like, and when she went to tell like her, the interviewer or whatever, producer about it, and he was like, oh, like, where do you go to get this if this is like a black market under the table type of thing? And she's like, we just meet up at a hotel room and she just does it and then we leave. And I was like, ooh, that does not sound safe at all in any way, shape or form. So don't do any black market shady stuff. Just make sure you're going someone that's a professional and that has experience in whatever technique you want. Exactly. I couldn't have said it better myself. So, you know, that's kind of like the benefits of, you know, using eye creams and, you know, eye treatments, I guess, which we kind of like expanded on a little bit. Heading into tea time, the tea time we have today is actually an eye-related product. It is the Becca Light Shifter Brightening Concealer. So this launched, I think, you know, kind of like later last year. And I actually have it. It is in my um, vanity and I'm like holding it right now. And I actually really like this product. But Laura, do you want to go in and talk about the tea time? Yeah. So this article we found, it's on GCI or Global Cosmetic Industry. And the article reads, Becca Cosmetics is voluntarily recalling all shades of the light shifter brightening concealer after a brownish black material identified as common household mold was found on the sponge tip applicator of some units. To date, no adverse reactions or injuries have been reported. While this is unlikely to cause serious injury, there is a potential risk of temporary skin and or eye allergy and irritation. Becca Cosmetics is conducting a voluntary 
military recall with the United States Food and Drug Administration, or the FDA. Product was manufactured in the United States and distributed nationwide. No other Becca cosmetic products have been affected by this issue. And there is an FDA um, safety recall on their website. So we'll link this article and the FDA article in the show notes. That way you can see if your batch, if you happen to have this concealer, is one of the ones that's recalled. So head over to the FDA website if you want to see if you're one of the products that have been recalled. But yeah, it's crazy. Molding your product. So uh, Laura, you and I actually have the concealer from the same batch. And like the first thing I did when I saw that article that you sent was go to see if my applicator was moldy. Not, and I'm still using mine. <laughs> um, but I love it. I think it's a uh, it's great. I don't know. I think you have the ingredients listed in front of you if you want to kind of like go over preservatives, but it does have light reflecting properties. So just going back to our earlier mention in the, the eye kind of portion segment of our podcast that it will help reflect light. So if you do have dark circles, um, you know, that kind of property will help. Yeah. So just kind of like scanning over the ingredient list, I see they have two preservatives and phenoxyethanol is an antimicrobial agent that's used it as a preservative in cosmetics and it's a broad spectrum one. So it's used against um, bacteria, yeast and mold. And then potassium sorbate is also an antimicrobial agent or preservative that's often found in food and that also helps with bacteria, yeast and mold as well. So I'm kind of surprised that they're kind of, they found mold in their product, but I'm kind of not surprised in the sense that maybe the formula is okay, but the unit that it came in, the component, the sponge tip applicator was the one that was contaminated. And if you head over to our first episode, I talk about how preservatives or not preservatives, but like microorganisms love to grow in water. And so this product already has water in it. And so if the sponge tip applicator was already contaminated with the mold, it'll thrive in the water formula, the water-based formula. So I kind of speculate that it's not the actual formula that's causing it to be moldy. It's the applicator in when they went to go to fill it was contaminated and that's what is the mold. But I can only speculate. I obviously don't know the tea. I don't work for Becca Cosmetics, so I don't know what's going on over there. But that's what I speculate. What do you think, Emmy? Um, Well, I can't really speculate on that. It sounds very plausible. But what I really want to do is I really want to commend Becca in the process of this. Like, you know, so often these recalls are surrounded by scandal and Becca took a really proactive approach, I believe. And I don't know, it it just seems like they have the consumer safety you know, at heart and mind. Yeah, I agree. They they recalled it. They took it off the shelves. It's not on many websites anymore. I found it on a couple, but it, they didn't seem like their like approved distributor website, to be honest. But but if you do head over to the FDA website, they list all the batch codes. And if you don't know what a batch code is, it's just basically how, um, like different rounds of it being produced. And you'll find the batch code on the base label of the product. It's kind of like embossed in but it's you can see it and you can have your number there so you can check it there I am like really proud of them for doing that they're not kind of like hiding behind the scandal or waiting for somebody to kind of like pull out the woodwork and then all this negative kind of connotation comes over Becca Cosmetics just because one product I think just because one product is bad doesn't mean the whole bunch is and I'm not hating on them I'm really proud to be honest with that Laura what are your high key low keys this week so I'm gonna start off with my low key and this is a product actually from Sephora collection so the Sephora their brand themselves and it's their ultra brilliant ultra the tongue twister ultra brilliant ultra shine lip gel in number 17 and 
honestly, I just love it because it's like a non-sticky lip gloss. It applies on the lips really well, has good pigmentation. I use it almost, it looks good in every one of the makeup looks that I use. They have, I believe they have a clear one as well, which I love. It's just a nice, soft, moisturizing, non-sticky lip gloss that I'm completely obsessed with. So my low-key product is the self-tanner. I do a lot of self-tanning just because like even when I am able to be out in the sunshine, I wear SPF pretty regularly and apply, you know, appropriately just because, you know, I don't want skin damage. (laughs) But I like how I look when I have a tan. Um, a lot better than when I don't. Um, I don't know about you, but like I feel like five to 10 pounds skinnier every time I like slack on doing a self-tan and then apply it. I just feel like I look a lot better a little bit more spelt. But I've been really loving the Bondi Sands Express Tanner. Um, You can leave it on like for only an hour. I usually leave it on overnight or up to four just because I think it keeps working like up to four hours for like the deepest part of the tan. Um, But it is a really great formula. I use their like velvet mitt to buff it in. But it isn't too orange. It gives like good coverage. It's non-streaky. Just all around, it's um, pretty great and fairly affordable as far as self-tanners go for the quality. I just want to know how your hubby feels when you go to bed with self-tanner oh, on. It in general. Like he he's like, I don't know how we ended up together because he I think he would love having like a hippie girlfriend who like didn't get her hair done, doesn't do self-tanner or anything. But like a low maintenance kind of girl that doesn't really care about those things. But you're like my life kind of revolves around this. This is yeah, my like, industry. I've always been high maintenance. So like, it's funny because like I, like when we first met, I had self-tanner on and my hair was just as highlighted as, as it is now. So <laughs> he can't say he didn't know what he was getting into. <laughs> anyway, so generally when I sleep in my like self-tan formula, I wear like my older um, yoga pants and like a long sleeve t-shirt just so that I don't get it on like the bed. I've actually seen these like kind of like ingenious. They're kind of like sleeping bags, except they're like made out of like black silk and they're very breathable. Then it kind of like prevents you from staining your sheets or something. But it's kind of ingenious and I, I'm very tempted to actually like just make one for myself because it doesn't look that hard to make. You should do it and let me know how it goes because I want to know. I don't self-tan, but I'm just curious. Um, Okay, so what was your high key for this week? So this week, um, I have kind of like an oldie, but a goodie. It's the Sikapair Tiger Grass Color Correcting Treatment with SPF 30. And what I really love about this one is that it's it's kind of like a moisturizer, corrector, and sun protectant all in one. It is a really thick cream, to be honest. It has a green tint to it, so it helps cancel out all the redness that I may have. And it has SPF 30, and it has the two actives in them are titanium dioxide and zinc oxide, which is amazing. And so I get my broad spectrum protection as well as kind of canceling out my redness as well as some moisturization, which I love. My only downfall on this is I am a medium skin tone girl and I would prefer it to be a little bit of a darker green because it does, it's a little bit too light for me, but I still love it. And so I really want them. I want Dr. Jart to come out with a darker green one just for us medium skin tone girls because I would definitely use this more often if it looked better on my skin in terms of going outside. Normally I only do this if I'm like walking my dog or just going to the park, but like I wouldn't wear this out out like in public but it's a great one just to have a nice SPF and look decent if in case you run into somebody. Okay, so I am a long time stan for that product. I love the Sika Pair 
color correcting treatment. Um, I do have to wear a moisturizer underneath it just because it isn't um, as moisturizing as my dry skin needs by itself. But I love that it helps cancel out some of my redness and provide sunscreen as well on top of it. So huge fan, stan it to the end of time. But I can definitely see, especially with like the physical actives for the sunscreen, how it might be a little too light for your skin tone. Yeah, that's my only like kind of downfall to it. But I don't use it too often where like I go to the grocery store. Or, like I go to the grocery store, I go to the park, walk my dog or whatever when I want like protection, but I don't want to wear makeup. So I really like it for that. But other than that, like it's amazing. It, it hydrates, it has SPF and it color corrects. So if you're someone in the market for an SPF product, but you're also looking like one of those people that love like the three in one, this is this is the product for you. So for my high key product this week, I wanted to keep it, you know, in the realm of the podcast and talk about one of my current favorite eye creams. So right now I'm really loving the Glow Recipe Avocado Melt Retinol Eye Sleeping Mask. And it's a little bit of a tongue twister, but it is nourishing and hydrating. It's a little bit of a like kind of a rich gel cream formula. And I love the fact that it comes with like a little spoon to like take the product out. So you're not doing cross-contamination with the um, the product by like dipping your fingers in it. And I love that little aspect. I mean, it is getting a little bit of like exposure to like oxygen in the air, but it applies really easily. And I love that it has like retinol in it as well. Thanks for tuning into our podcast this week. We would love to hear any feedback you have on what we spoke about in today's episode. You can find us either on our website, find us on Instagram or subscribe, like comment or review on Spotify or Apple podcasts. Um, Let us know what you think. To gain access to our show notes and links that we mentioned earlier, be sure to head over to our website at www.vanitylabpodcast.com to be sure that you're staying up to date on when we're uploading and what we're uploading. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Vanity Lab Podcast. And don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, follow, whatever, which have you on whatever streaming platform that you are on. That way we continue to make content for you. And as always, the opinions expressed in this podcast do not reflect the opinions of our employers. Vanity Lab Podcast is hosted by me and Emmy Lovell. All of our sound production editing is by me. Transcripts are written by Emmy Lovell and all of our music comes from Audio Jungle.